You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 129. Talk about training your team to sell with Kelly Ann Peck. Kelly Ann Peck, the founder of Emerson Reese Creative, is committed to helping event entrepreneurs create their own path in life by translating her experiences into actionable strategies that turn ideas into profitable businesses. Kelly guides creative professionals in developing a roadmap to their version of success, whether that's building a six-figure business and discovering more freedom and entrepreneurship. Growing up with an entrepreneur father and launching her own creative business has taught her the common pitfalls entrepreneurs face. Kelly has made it her personal mission to give back to the event industry by helping business owners avoid the mistakes she made and ultimately reach their full potential. Today, Kelly is here with us to talk us through a pain point I think many of us are experiencing these days, how to train your team to sell, especially as we're in the midst of a wedding boom. You can't maybe do all the sales yourself, but it's also hard to release control and let your team sell for you. So Kelly is here to talk us through it, friends. Grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Wedding pros. It is 2022. 2022. Can you believe it's been two years since this pandemic started? Whether this year is shaping up to be a wedding boom or a bust, the Profitable Pro Bundle is back this week only to support you with incredible value on your own schedule. Look, we're two years in and we are still learning lessons every day. While some of us have boomeranged right back into the overly familiar overwhelm of 2019, some of us are just trying to find our footing again. And many of us are interested in trying new things. Well, my friends, now is the time. I produced the Profitable Planner Bundle in 2020 and the Pro Bundle in 2021, and now we're back for a third and possibly final year. Because I believe in bringing you amazing education and resources all for one low price. I believe in us, wedding pros, now more than ever. We have over 26 resources in our bundle this year, all for $97. We've got resources from amazing powerhouse educators like Terika, Brandy Gar, Candace Coppola, Ander Amberson, Braden Drake, Nora Shields, Jordan Kentris, Megan Gillikin, Bianca Nicole. We've got everyone in this bundle. And honestly, we've got a resource for every single pain point in your business. But the only catch is that it's only on sale until dallow.com forward slash bundle, B-U-N-D-L-E. That's reneedallow.com forward slash bundle. And look at all the amazing resources you can get only this week <laughs> for $97. Do not miss out on the Profitable Pro Bundle 2022, friends. Now, on with the episode. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your girl, Renee Dallow. I'm caffeinated. It's early. We're doing this, you guys. Normally, I record the, the podcast episode like later in the day when I'm already awake, but not today. Today, Kelly Ann Peck is here, and we are, it's not early for Kelly, but it's early for me, and we are doing it. Kelly, how are you? Hi, Renee. I'm doing good. <laughs> I completely understand about getting up early. Uh, but yes, it is not, is not early here. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's had like a leisurely couple of hours to like get her life together. I'm like chugging coffee and like pretending to be alive. You guys, it's, it's all good. It's all good. I am excited about our topic. I don't think we've really talked about this in depth on the show in the two plus years we've been doing this. We are talking today about training your team to sell and this is also, I mean, interestingly enough for me, I am uh, flirting with the idea of taking on like a full-time Moxie Bright Events team member at this moment in time, which is unusual. I had always said that I didn't want a really big planning team, but you know, eight years into the business, <laughs> I'm like, might be nice. And I have a, a, a specific person in my life who feels like they might want that role. So I'm very excited to talk to you about this, Kelly. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you about it too. A lot of my clients, like 
are like you. They're getting ready to hire their first person, as well as how are you going to train them? What do you, what tools are they going to use? All of those things. So I love that for you. Uh, and you have another salesperson on your team, which is like uber exciting potentially well, for you. Right. And I think too, that was something that I immediately thought of when, when he and I were having this conversation, because he's someone that I've known for 20 years and I trust him implicitly. And then I left the conversation thinking, oh, am I going to have him sell? Because I have been the sole salesperson in this business since day one. We have a team of people that do that, you know, that work with me on the wedding days. But so far, there's been no one else in my business that sells, not even my husband, who's co-owner. So. I know this might seem sort of self-explanatory, but I, I do always like to start with the basics. Like, why is it important that we train our team to sell? Because I know there's some people who are like, no, 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 only me can do sales, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really defining the goal, right? Like, which that's a lot of the answer all the time. It's like, what is your goal? And as entrepreneurs and owning our own businesses, there are babies. We know how to sell our services best because yeah. we're in it every day and we wear our business on our sleeve, like our heart and all of those things and so forth. But when you're looking at hiring someone or bringing someone onto the sales team, or you already have somebody on the team and you want them to start selling for you because they know the ins and outs of your company culture and how you do things from point A to point B and, and all of those things. But at the same time, it's not a conversation that you have to have with a person like, okay, you have a background in sales and now you're going to go out and sell for me. Well, it's great that they have a background possibly, but at the same time, they have to know why you do what you do and why you do it for others and be able to eat, breathe and sleep that as well as know what to say to the prospect or even to how to go out and find the prospect. And is it the right person coming in? Do you want to take on and service that client? All of those things. So yeah, it's really having what the goal is, how they're going to do it, and then setting up those procedures. So they are set up for success and know yeah. exactly what to do. Yeah. And also <laughs> I feel like as soon as we start talking about like SOPs and company standards, people start freaking out. Like, I don't have that. So maybe the first step, if someone's listening and they're like, oh, maybe I do want to hire someone to sell on my team. It's like the first step is to like get your act together, <laughs> right? And do the work of like, what is your mission statement? Who are you selling to? Who is your ideal client? Like get it down on paper so that, and you know, even as you're talking, I'm thinking there are definitely, when I'm in a consult call with potential clients, there are definitely red flags that I, that I see pop up that I just know instinctually or like, oh, this isn't a good fit, but having someone else on your team and you won't be in those calls, it's like, you kind of have to really spell out like what is a Moxie Bright events client and, and who isn't a Moxie Bright events client, right? So Kelly, for the, for the people on your team that are doing the selling now, are they also handling the contracts? And like, how does that work typically? Yeah, so really good question. It's one of those things where you as a business owner need to figure that out because it's a really incredibly important part. It's having two different types of conversations where you're setting up the sales script, you are showing them how to go out and lead generate and literally go out, where are your people hanging out, right? And then it's, okay, there's two avenues you could go, right? You could go down the path of, is that client being turned over to you and you are writing the contract and this is the amount that we agreed upon reviewing it and then literally giving it back to the salesperson and then they're dealing with their client because of the fact that the other thing that comes up is are the salespeople getting a cut of a commission off of that sale, right so that needs to be discussed as well then the other avenue is giving them the empowerment and looking at the packages and being like, okay, here's the three packages. This is what we sell on a regular basis. This is our MVP. But if you need a cushion or wiggle room to be able to handle objections and all of those things, you could do this package between this and this price. So there's two really big avenues that you could go down, but it's ideally it's what you're most comfortable with yeah. as well as what they are most comfortable with, as well as when you are bringing on that person, 
it's a part of their contract, whether they're a 1099 or if they're going to be a W-2, you know, that's a much different talk. Right, so right. there's so many different factors that go into it, as well as like what you're most comfortable with because it's your company. Right. Like, first and foremost. And I would imagine too, like if you, if you're empowering your salesperson, you know, with a commission, it's like they have more of an incentive to, um, to upsell kindly, you know what I mean? And I could see how that would be motivating. Right. I could also see the flip side of it where it's also can get like perhaps with the wrong person, like a little pushy, right? Because they're trying to make the most on each contract. So I definitely think it some of this, I think, boils down to the personality of the people you have selling for you. How much do you think personality plays in um, in this training your team to sell? Like, are there certain personalities, um, in your opinion, that are more well suited for selling than others? So everybody has the sales trait. You have the sales trait if you love what you do, you love speaking to people about what you do and you make it about the prospect, like hands down. I talk to people all the time and they're like, oh, I don't like to sell. I don't have the sales trait. Yes, you do. It's just working that muscle a little bit more than sometimes we want to in our businesses. What is ironic, I'm an extrovert. I love to sell. I love to walk room. I love, I'm not afraid of a mic. <laughs> You and um, me both, girl. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always been that way. I've always been an extrovert. And I like talking to people. I like picking up the phone. I have no problem cold calling. I've done all of those things in my career, right? But there are some that just are completely turned off by that and don't want to do those things. But as an extrovert, because I am so excited about the opportunity and I want to just give all of my love to someone when I'm talking to a prospect, sometimes I don't know how to turn it off. So ironically, the best salespeople are usually introverts because they're good listeners. Yeah, that's the truth right so, there. That is some truth. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was just like, oh, nope, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> because I get excited as well as introverts do. Like we just want to tell everybody, right? And with introverts, they really ask the questions and they listen and they get so much more out of the prospect and are able to think about it and be a little bit more strategic about it sometimes. Yeah, I agree with that. So, I'm an extrovert as well. And I really think over the years I've owned Moxie Bright, um, I've really had to hone my, my listening skills because I do, I am like you, I get very excited and then I'm like, I'm gesturing wildly and I'm like, oh my God, we could do this. We could do that and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like cussing and it's like a whole thing on my consult call. So like, but listen, I always say like, if someone's turned off by that, then they, they're not my client. But early on, I had to realize like, I have to stop talking. And, and I, I'm good at it now, but in, that, in those first two years, it was like, oh, rein it in, Renee, rein it back in. Because really the, the consult call is about your clients. It's not, it's not about you selling, right? Because by the time you get them on a consult call, they they like what you've got. They like your venue. They like they like your DJ service. They like your they, they already like you. They've seen you on the internet, right? When you get in front of them, it's finding out about them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when you're developing a sales script for this person coming in or just developing a sales script for yourself, and I use sales scripts. I still use one every single day in my business when I am working sales activities or I'm prospecting or doing those things because you get into these conversations and then you get off the phone or Zoom or you leave them in person and it's like, crap, I forgot to ask them that question. People enjoy that. They like that you are paying attention and you're taking notes and you're doing all those things so you can learn about the client. But yes, it's 100% about the client getting to know if they are right for you and you are right for them because it's what we do in our industry is very emotional. It is very personal and it is creating memories and we are performing. One of my friends told me this a couple of years ago. I mean, and again, I love sports and I love a good sports analogy, but you're performing a Super Bowl. <laughs> you're Mary J. Yeah. Blodge yeah. that like slayed it. A couple she of weeks really ago did. on the Super Bowl, she it. every single weekend, weekday, second COVID wedding, whatever that is, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and you have to be on. So yes, when you are training people as well as speaking to people with the process, it is all about them. It's just knowing what questions to ask them. So 
it is a match for company culture. It is a match that you're like, mm, I really want to take on this person and I'm super excited to do really cool things for them. And we all have calls where we're like, I am on vacation whenever their wedding date is, even if it's in 2014 <laughs> or 2024. How dare you? I've never you know, said that. That's not true. I say it all the time. I've, that, that's, and honestly, that's one of the reasons why I was, when talking to my friend about maybe coming on as a full-time person, it's like, I've been saying no to a lot of weddings, mostly because I, I just need a change and I need to just do less. And I have this person in my life who wants to do more, right? So it, it sort of makes sense. What do you think about, because I, I always try to put myself in my listeners' shoes. Hi, listeners. Um, and I know there's people out there who are listening to us thinking, yeah, but I can't have someone sell for me because what my clients are hi or, you know, hiring when they hire my company is my personality. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's a valid point or is it bullshit? I mean, I think it could go both ways, but the question is, like to your point, you just said to me, right? You're like, I don't want to take on as many weddings. Doesn't fill up my love tank in my business as much as some of the other things that I'm doing in my business, because let's face it, we all have different revenue, revenue streams that are coming into our business, whether you're just doing weddings, if it's day of partial full, or if you're doing other things in your business that lead to lead generation. Yeah. Right. And you have people like yourself that it's like, you know what, I've done all these weddings and I want to do something else, but I truly want to help my person. And I want to bring on a salesperson to do that, which is great because of the fact that you can stay in your zone of genius with other things that you love doing, as well as this person is going out and selling for you and bringing in more money. You're growing a person on your team. You're growing the community. You're growing your business. Like it's a trifecta, yeah. right? And then there are some where it's like, it is my name. It is my personality. I just want to do weddings and I want to be my own person within my business. And that's okay too. But you're going to get to a point where you're only one person. And there's so many hours in the day. There's only 52 weeks in a year. That's correct. That's so, correct. you know, you want to, you want to work every Saturday and Sunday. Um, are you taking on double weddings in one day? Uh, you know, all of those factors, right? So, but that person is going to get to a point if they just want it to be them where they're not going to have a choice to it just being them if they want to grow and they want to make more money and they want growth and all of those yeah, things. I agree with that. I also no. think too, like your personality, if you're, if you're listening and you're one of those people who are like, yes, Renee, they, when people hire my business, they're hiring me. Eventually over time, your personality is your brand. Like, <laughs> you know, like Moxie brand yes. is not a different version of me. It's me. It's me in wedding form. It's me on paper. When with our ideal clients, like I see myself in those people. I go, yes, I get it. I get you. They get me. We trust each other. Articulating that down to company culture and SOPs and how we do business, that takes a little bit of finesse. But I feel like you're, you know, if, if this is something you're looking to do, you know, you're almost there. You have to kind of put yourself um, or like look at your business from a bird's eye view, right? To be like, well, if, if what they're hiring is my personality, then that's already infused in the way we do business. How is it that we do business and how is that different from other people? That's the thing you have to distill down to. It's kind of the same thing. Like your company culture is stems from your personality. Like, sorry, that's the truth. Like everyone I know who owns a business with multiple team members, like, if they're like, I know this, and I said this on stage a couple of weeks ago when I was doing a keynote for NACE, uh, NACE Evolve Conference, I said like, you know, when you're leading a team, whether it's a volunteer team of board members or a team of people that work for you and sell for you, it all, ble it all you know, it all trickles down from the top. Like I used to work at this restaurant in New York where we had this horrible head chef and then everyone in the kitchen became horrible humans because he was horrible to people. It could have gone the other way if he were lovely and generous and kind, but it didn't. And so sometimes you see the negative version of it and go, oh, I, I don't want that ever, right? It's the same thing. Your personality bleeds through everything. Right, 100%. It's like tried and true where it's your vibe attracts your tribe. It's, it's the same thing. Like if you are modeling something within your business, they are gonna model that too. 100%. You have, you have to be the pillar in your business and if they see you doing something then the expectation is that they should be doing it too and like when i was a catering director or when i was in corporate america i was a very blue collar manager i did everything mm. because i wanted my team to know that the person at the top 
is expected to do everything that they're doing. And I, I'm a big believer in getting in the mud and getting stuff done. I mean, that's why I've always loved this industry. Yeah. Like I like MacGyver. <laughs> you and my husband, we get along you know? really well. He also is, he also is a <laughs> MacGyver. Yeah. I love that. You know, it's funny. I was talking to my friend who, um, who works in like catering management. And he said, he was, he was just like, happened to be telling me a story about something. And he said, yeah, I let everybody go. And I was mopping the kitchen and, uh, and he was like, and I went, you mop the kitchen. And he's like, yeah, I always mop the kitchen. He's like, first of all, I'd rather, I'd rather do it to know that it's getting done. And two, I want them to see that I'm, I don't think I'm too good to mop the kitchen. And I'm like, I love that. It's like back in the day when I was doing theater, I had this um, advisor uh, at, at college who always used to say that the director had to be the last one out and sweep the stage because like you're, you're in charge, you're in charge of everything when you're the director. Right. And so I think about that all the time. Like, I love that sort of the blue collar manager idea of, of just like, yeah, I'm no better than you. It's the same thing I think with like leaders eat last, right? Like on a wedding day, like I'm never the first one to eat dinner. Never. Mostly because I don't care about eating dinner on a wedding day, but also because it's more important that my team, you know, gets uh, taken care of than me. 100%. I have, when I used to plan weddings and execute them, it was the same way for me. I was always the last one to leave. I was always the last one to eat or if I did eat because there was too much going on for me personally because I wanted to be yeah. present. And then I would just eat a feast, you know, at like one, two o'clock in the morning, which that's not really good for you. you know either, what? I, but... don't, I don't do that either. People think I'm insane, but I, I just, sometimes I'm just not hungry. And like my assistants know, like there are certain things like I, I won't, I can't say no to like if there's macaroni and cheese, like they'll just shove a plate of macaroni and cheese in my face and I'll eat it standing up like in the kitchen. They're like, eat this. I'm like carbs, cheese, delicious. But like, there are some times that I'm just not, interested and then but i hear my friends say yeah then i get home and i eat spaghetti in the shower and i'm like no nah, i don't do that i just fall asleep <laughs> i just go to bed i wake up starving but yeah we all have our fun. own rituals right um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wait so i want to i want to you mentioned something really early on that i wanted i made a note a mental note to circle back to i want to talk a little, little bit about prospecting new uh clients because we had talked offline just about the different ways to go about that now. And that's not something that I, uh, as a business owner actively do anymore. Like 99% of my business is from referral. I don't, it's, I'm not really like pounding the pavement, so to speak, like looking for wedding planning clients. So I'd love to hear your perspective on like, when you bring someone new into your team to sell, like how much of that job then of their job then becomes prospecting. So prospecting is a really important part you are going to have businesses like yourself where it's anywhere from 80 to 90% referral, right? Or it's coming in through a website or it's coming in through social media or wherever that may be for you, right? Um, but there's others that are just getting started or need more people in their sales pipeline or a funnel, whatever way you like to kick that term around. But prospecting is a huge, huge, huge part of it. And but a lot of people are like, what is prospecting? Essentially what prospecting is, is it's a way to identify your potential customers, to find them and then create a base of leads with the goal of talking to them and seeing if they're a good fit for you and they're a good fit for the company, right? So prospecting activities that people should be doing, and they're probably already prospecting and they didn't, don't even know that they're doing it. It's researching your target client. It's where are your people hanging out? Like where are your couples hanging out? Do you like the shabby chic couple? Do you love foodie couples? Do you love working uh, with Nigerian couples or Indian couples? Like what is that for you, right? And then it's going out and finding them and how to target them as well as like through strategic alliances, strategic alliances, because the first one came out bad um, and literally going, Hey, let's go meet for a cup of coffee. And I want to work with you as a venue, all of those different things. Those are different types of prospecting activities. Now, when you're bringing on a salesperson, they are literally, that's hundred percent of their job. That's what their job should be when you're bringing them on immediately. And what's great is if you have a salesperson that already has strategic alliances, contacts, is an industry expert and leader and all of those things like that's huge they're bringing a lot to the table for you it's just figuring out how you're going to work that to your advantage as well as if you're hiring someone and they're 100 percent commission or as what we call in the sales industry eat what you kill 
um, they're going to be prospecting and doing sales activities <laughs> because, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where if you're not selling and you're not closing a deal, like you're not making a paycheck. I mean, but that's entrepreneurship. Right, right. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So it's one of those things where prospecting is hugely important. What I recommend and there's going to be some people that are going to like fall off their chair or drive funny in a, in a car lane as they're going down the highway listening to this is you should be prospecting and doing sales activities 50% of your time in your business. And the reason for that is because sales, when you are closing sales, it is the one major thing that puts the cash in your bank account. I mean, you're right. It just feels like a hugely high number. It's a hugely high number if you don't have a pipeline if you only have i'll use an example of you know it's it's february of 2022 we are in a huge wedding and events boom since 1984 and there is a wedding planner or a wedding company that has maybe 20 percent of their dates booked well, they should be spending 50% of their time literally prospecting and following up on contracts and what's warm in the system. Have we followed up? Have we done all of those things? So they can close the cell and be top of mind and do that. Whereas the other 50% of the time has to be done wearing all the other hats in your business and actually delivering to the client that you've already closed. Yeah. Especially if you don't have multiple streams. Correct. Of and you don't have residual income, which is one of my favorite things. Uh, but you have you Same. you have to work to that. That's not residual income comes within time, like five, 10, 15 years down the road, if you're really working that. Or if you're looking at putting yeah. a that type of revenue stream into your business, that's not an overnight thing. It just isn't. No, mm -mm, no. In fact, it was funny. I mean, this is this is not a conversation about passive or residual income. But since since we went there, I'll do a slight tangent and say I was talking to someone the other day. Um, someone had booked like I, I do this like pick your brain, pick my brain calls where like I don't do one on one coaching right now. But if you need if you need something like book a call, right? So I was doing one of these calls and someone said like explain to me how you have so many streams of income. And I was like, well, six years ago. <laughs> and as soon as I started talking about it, they were like. Oh, so six years ago, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It took six years. <laughs> like it takes six years to like make it a, a, a legitimate income generating business, right? Like a side hustle, you know, cause I have the wedding planning business and I have the education biz and education biz didn't really start flourishing until, you know, unfortunately the pandemic hit when I had time to put into it, but I started the education brand six years ago. So I think people want to know that like, oh, I, it's just quick and I'll do it. It's like, well, no, the quickest way to make money is to is to water what's already growing, right? Like if, if what you mainly do is, you know, photography, if you need to make revenue, dive into prospecting photography, you know, leads. Like it, the side hustle is never going to rise up so quickly to replace the main hustle. Yeah. Focusing on one thing when you start your business or you're cultivating a new offering or you're wanting to put a new revenue stream into your business, you need to make sure the other things are working in your business properly and you know exactly how to do that. Yes. You know, and it does take time. There's no magic crystal or shake the eight ball. I'm a nineties kid, you know. Um but but it all takes time and you have to literally look at it as you know a way to generate revenue is the follow-up it's known and i know people have heard the statistic but 80 percent give up after the first follow-up i guarantee you everybody who is listening you have warm and hot leads and maybe cold leads from a standpoint that you've talked to over the past six months to a year you should be diving into that granted whether it's a good old spreadsheet i love a good color-coded spreadsheet or if you have a crm you can generate a report but you can go through and go oh i still have that date open oh i only followed up with them one time you know, there is money to be made that you are probably sitting on and just don't know it. So, and that's a part of a sales activity and that's a part of a prospecting activity too. 
I love I love that reminder because, and I, I think I've said this on the show maybe a million years ago, when I was a bride, everyone's going to be like, Renee, when I was a bride and I was hiring my wedding planner in Philadelphia from LA, I believe she had to, we had to talk. I mean, we talked on the phone for a, a long time, too long now that I'm a professional. I'd be like, oh my God, get off the phone, get this woman to get you money. I think on the sixth time is when I finally booked her that she emailed me. Six. That's correct. I, I don't I don't think I've ever gotten that far with a with a prospect of mine now that I'm thinking about it. We normally do like a three email series after the like after we talk to them and send the proposal. We do one follow up to say, like, do you have any questions about the proposal? Then a second follow up like five days later. It's like, hey, do you have any you know, any questions, anything? And then I'll do one final one that's like, hey, we haven't heard from you. We're gonna, we're gonna arc like we're gonna archive this, right? So, but I think about my own wedding planner and like she was tenacious as fuck to be like, hey, are we doing this? And finally I was like, yes, yes, I'm so sorry. I've been so busy. Let's book it. Six times, you guys. Six. Now granted, that was over a decade ago. But don't give up. Don't give up, especially if your cash flow is low and you're like, because I think what happens, and maybe Kelly, you have a different uh, thing about this, a different feeling about this, but I think what happens, especially for my wedding planners out there, is that once we talk to a couple, we we get like emotionally invested in them, like, like we like them, we want to do this wedding for whatever reason, right? We like the venue, we like the couple, we like their style. And then when we don't hear from them, we sort of start taking it personally, right? Like, well, if they liked me, they would have told me by now. And then we hesitate to follow up because we have feelings about it. Do you feel yes, that it's way? called one of my not so favorite words called doubt. It's <laughs> <laughs> is that what that feeling is? Yes. Oh. If we get inside our heads, right. And we need to Jedi mind trick ourselves to be like, it's not them. It's us. Right. And you said a very important thing. And I love the example of your wedding planner because on average you have to do five to 12 touches with a person 80% of the time to land a cell. So, and it's like, just how are you gonna do that, right? But as well as what happens is if you only follow up once, you are putting all the power on the prospect. Like, and life gets in the way. We yeah. all have stuff going on. And when you are getting married, and, and I know this better now because I've been married um, seven years, but like in my twenties, when I was planning weddings, I was like, why are they like crazy? I don't, I don't <laughs> understand this. And then my husband and I paid for our wedding and we were 35 when we got married. And then I learned, I'm like, oh, it really isn't about us. It's really about everybody and our circle of influence and like the emotional of I'm giving my daughter away. And I get that now because I have kids, but I never got it. I mean, my mom wanted me to call everybody and tell them that she was the only one that could wear Navy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and this is like two weeks out for, before my, our wedding. And I'm like, well, if you want to cut a check for an X amount of dollars because you haven't paid for anything, but my veil, then great. I will call all 63 guests and let them know that they can't wear Navy. And then the problem stops. Right? So, and I'm using that example because of the fact that your clients and your prospects are going through that. They're going through, when's your date? When are you having a kid? When can Aunt Tina come? Can Aunt Tina come? I haven't seen Aunt Tina in 16 years. Like, why do you want to invite her? Like, what's the food going to be? What's this going to be? And they are stressed to the max. And yeah. just life gets in the way. And I'm telling you, Yes, you want to be the planner that you that you had for your wedding, because they get to the point where it's like, oh my God, here comes here comes Renee again. Oh, she's going to ask me the question, and I didn't look at that contract, but um, you know, right. and I need to look at it, and I need to sign the deposit, and do all of those things. So, follow up is so incredibly important. Now, for some of your listeners, they're probably saying, oh my God, I have proposals out from six months ago, and should I follow up with them? 100% because it does not matter. Everybody waits until the last minute. Everybody does. Yeah, I agree. As long as you have the date open, there's no harm in just checking in, seeing how you're yep. doing. And if they have a partial proposal, they're still paying partial proposal pricing, even if it's three months out, because it's the same amount of work for you. So that's correct. <laughs> 
That's good. So stand hard on, you know, those proposals and all of those things. And again, it's like an education process for the client, right? Like everybody's got to do that over and over and over again, because they just don't know. But that's the beauty part of being an expert, right? And loving what you do because yes. you get to show them the way. I love that. And I also love too, when we're talking, you know, bringing it back to this, this new team member that you're hiring to do all your sales. It's like, if you build into the process that you follow up five times, six times, then the person you've hired, that's their job to do. And on, and they might have far less feelings about it, right? Because, because they're not the business owner to be like, well, maybe they didn't like me. It's like, just keep following up until they tell you, right? At the, you know, what we do is that final email we send, it's like the closing the loop email, which you can Google and figure and find out exactly what that email entails but it's basically like we haven't heard from you so we're gonna we won't bother you anymore we're gonna archive it and a lot of times when you send that email the couple like me when i was a when i was a bride who's been so busy and hasn't had a moment will go oh my gosh oh my gosh no 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 we do want to work with you we just sorry i lost track of time it's also like the closing the loop email is like a strong nudge to be like oh wait no we still want to be in the mix with you right when I was planning my wedding, my husband was filming a TV show as one of the co-hosts. So we, like the, in our entire lives were about the show. <laughs> and I just, I literally just lost track of the weeks. And when she finally emailed me to be like, Hey, I can't hold the date any longer. Like someone else wants it. And we've, it's been six weeks since we, <laughs> since we talked and I've emailed you every week. Like what are we? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Right. And so sometimes they just, our clients are busy. That's why they need us. <laughs> Otherwise they would just be doing it. Yes. I mean, and, and for that salesperson or your sales team, like a big tool that they can use besides follow-up is putting a limiter, like every contract, every yes. proposal should have a date on it because it gives you the leverage and the client, they, you know, it almost to the point where it gives them FOMO, right? It's like, ah, oh, I have to work with her and I have to do this now. And it's, you know, again, like the contract may have gone out of date or whatever with the limiter, but at the same time, like the prospect doesn't need to know that you're going to follow up with them. And if you still have the date, great. Um, that's why I'm a, a big believer in not holding dates. Yeah, we don't do that either, but we do have um, expiration dates on our proposals, which just gives us a natural touch point, yes. in, like for that, you know, for that, for that five, because our, all of ours are five days, which I know sounds short, but I'm in LA and we, we get inquiries every single day. So, you know, five days is a, from us, is like enough time to say like, Hey, check it in. Your proposal expires tomorrow. Would you like to move forward to a contract or do you need some more time? And normally at that point we hear like, no, we, you know, we hear like a definitive, we, you know, we like, we definitely are still considering you were just meeting with someone else or no, we've gone ahead and hired someone else. Like we don't normally have to get to the third email in the series, but having the proposal expiration is a really interesting, I mean, it's like a mind it game is. really, <laughs> but it, but it works because it, it, it also gives everyone a nice, um, like it doesn't seem out of bounds to be like following up, right? It's like, oh, of course they're following up be because of this reason. Um, it's sort of like a, a, a no-brainer follow-up. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I love it too. And it again, one of the biggest things, it's a learning curve when you're bringing this person on or you're getting ready to implement with your team, right? And one of the biggest recommendations and that's gonna help them as well as you is get them to document everything get them to document what works, what doesn't work, what should we put in, what should we take out? So, and review it, review it from a month to month, you know, when you're starting this process and bringing somebody on. So they feel supported, you know what's going on and you're immediately finding out if the system's broken or not and what you gotta change and what you don't have to change. But documentation is huge for that as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so Kellyanne, let's recap. When someone's bringing a new person onto their team, first we start with the hiring of that new person. As you've said, you don't think there's a specific personality that's more well-suited to, to sales or not. But when we're bringing that new person on, are there things we should be looking for in that hire? Yes. If they're a good fit for you, if you want to work with them, I, that personality, like, again, where I find makes you a better business owner, CEO, entrepreneur, whatever you ha have you, right? Or just a good leader in general, you literally hire to have them replace you in that position, right? And it doesn't have to be a different personality, 
but I think it's one of those things where when you have a different personality coming in, it works to your advantage because you're not fighting over the same thing, or you know that you're hiring for sales and it's not something that you want to do anymore in your business because you want to do something else. It's great if they have that same personality. It could also, you could have a great vibe with somebody that you're interviewing and know that they are your person and you start that process. But if any of you have ever hired in your life, hiring is a crapshoot. Like somebody, <laughs> somebody yeah. can yeah. be the best interviewer and then they get into your company and it's like, what? <laughs> so um, when you are a entrepreneur, what I always recommend because of the fact that it's your hard earned money that you're paying this person with. It's not like corporate America where, and we all know this, if we've had corporate America jobs, right? You knew really good people on your team and you knew people that were just hiding to get a paycheck every week. They can't do that in small yeah. business. No, they cannot. So, so no, no. it's one of those things where we recommend hire slow, fire fast. And hundred percent. You hire slow where you are doing a couple of different interviews. You are first starting with the dream job description of what you want, how you're going to pay them. It's your roadmap to hiring this person, right? Because sometimes we think it's sales, but it might be, they are just, you're still selling and they are literally processing they are doing the execution part you have to figure that out but it's the dream job description yeah. of putting that out and then it's putting it out there on linkedin or facebook groups it's where those people that you want to work with are hanging out and then interviewing them and it's interviewing them a couple of different times and a big thing that we always recommend is if you have a bunch of different candidates and this is going to sound really funny, but as entrepreneurs, you, you wear 10,000 hats in your business. So tell them, I'm going to put you on a hour zoom call with all the other candidates. And I'm going to tell you all about my company culture, what our advantages are, what our disadvantages pain points are. And this is how this person's going to come in and elevate the team and help us. You're literally pitching to them. But what's really cool about that is instead of uh, interviewing 10 people for 10 hours, you're, you're interviewing 10 people and seeing how they work in a group and all of those dynamics to be able to narrow it down and then let them come in and perform something for you paid. Whether that's, hey, mm -hmm. I want you to come in and work a wedding with me for the first half. I want you to come in and help me with setup or I want you to help me come in and work timeline and pay them. And it be a couple of hours. I'm not telling you to hire people for a 10 hour day because that's just a lot because they may aggravate the crap yeah. out of you. And then it's like, <laughs> oh my God, they've only been here two hours and I need to like cut them loose. Right. So again, it's like two to yes. three hours. I've been there. Yes. <laughs> it's two to three hours of time. And then you're going to know if they're your person or not after that experience. And then you give them the offer to come onto your team. So it's a slow process. And what happens a lot is people hire fast because they're overwhelmed, they're underworked, they need the person, and then they don't take the time to build the foundation for that person. And you're not setting anybody up for success as well as yourself. That's so, true. And That's then true. what happens is they hire fast and then they fire slow where they're like, eh, it's January 1st and I should have fired this person back in October, but I was so slammed uh with weddings being rebooked and booked and all of those things now it's a break and now i feel bad because we don't have anything going on and i still want to pay this person nope cut rip the band-aid off like yeah i've heard that so many times from my entrepreneurial friends where they're just like oh this person on my team i gotta get rid of them and it's and i feel i i do i always feel badly about it but it's such a hard it's it's a really an entrepreneurial life lesson to hire slow like look at your life and your business and think and future, you know, think in your own future, like what, what am I going to need six months from now? <laughs> because oftentimes we hire because we're like, oh shit, I am in the weeds, right? Where <laughs> I think the longer you do this, the more forethought you have about that stuff. All right. So let me, 
So, okay, we have we have the job description. We've we've done the group meeting. We've hired people. They're on board. We give them the company culture. We give them the sales script, and 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 they're and they're running with it, right? How often do you assess how this person's performance is doing? So, from assessment, I would be like again, it's company culture, right? It's if they're truly a salesperson for you and they are prospecting and they are going out and meeting with people, there needs to be a ramp up period because any salesperson, whether you are seasoned for 20 years or five years or whatever have you, they have to learn your culture. They have to learn how to sell your product and service. So that takes time. So for that reason, in the beginning, it should be a weekly call or a weekly meeting of yeah. who you reached out to, who yeah. you're working with, who, who do you think is a good fit? Here are, and as a business owner, like to your point, you have so many leads coming in, they should be getting those leads too. And then you helping them walk through that right. lead and all of those things as a part of their training. So, and then when you get three months in, you should then have an assessment of, okay, what's working, what's not working, all of those things from an assessment point. Like weekly calls are different, right? That's more of like touching base and going, okay, what are you working on? Who's getting ready to close? Who do, is there somebody I need to reach out and support you with? Like all of those things. But assessment should be three months. And if, as well as if you are my biggest thing with small business, if you are not full blown, constantly hiring W2s, if you are literally getting ready to hire your first person, make them be a 1099, have them sign a contract and it's for 90 days and then they can come on as a W2 or they can sign a year to year contract with you. Interesting. I like that approach. Yeah, because it you get to see if they are vetted with you're giving them the time to do what they told you they were going to do for you in the interview. Yeah, no, I like that. It's interesting because in California, we have a lot of effed up laws about who can be a 1099 and who can be an employee. So like for me, my day of my day of team yep. is all employees because it there's a lot of rules about it here. But I like the the trend. I like the idea of bringing someone in as a 1099 and then telling them, listen, this is our sort of test period and then we will transition you into an employee. I think that would actually work even in California. <laughs> no, uh, well, but I love the fact that you know what the laws are. Oh, please. I know them cold because we, I made a mistake in my second, second year of business. I made a mistake with some of my employee paperwork and I got this huge fine that I didn't even know was a pot was possible. And I was like, whoa, 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 what happened? And it was like, I forgot to file like one form. <laughs> yeah, you had to check one box or something. Yeah. It was literally like an additional form that I didn't know what with the first form. Anyway, we have people that do that for me now because it's not worth my time and energy to like really have that on my on my desk but yeah it was a really big learning lesson of like oh i'm not just like a little nothing business like they consider me a big they consider me big enough to give me a huge fine 100 <laughs> and the yeah. government county state is going to come after their money and then you know if you don't pay it on time then there's penalties and again it's a, it's a good old entrepreneur lesson of i'm never going to do that to myself ever again nope um, i mean we got we got the fine reverse to be honest so every, no one well, worried good. that i went that i went broke but uh no it was definitely I, like i woke up one morning and i was like why is my bank account so low what the hell just happened yeah don't don't do what i did well listen i feel like we could talk about this forever but i wanted to give everyone like a, a basic overview if you're thinking about hiring this a salesperson to your team what to do but where can people continue this conversation with you, Kelly, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. So you can find me at Emerson Reese and it's spelled like the Reese cup, <laughs> uh, creative. So it's Emerson Reese creative. That's my website. That's my signs on Facebook, uh, and Instagram. And you can find me on LinkedIn under Kelly and Peck. Love it. And, you know, you guys listening, if this is something that's been on your mind and on your heart, 
I want to know what you learned from this episode because I've, I know I used to say this all the time when we started Kelly, but like podcasting is such a weird medium because I talk into this mic endlessly all day. And then like, I never know who's listening <laughs> until we go to something like wedding MBA and people are like, Oh my God, I learned so much. And then I hear like very detailed things about each episode. So I'm going to do more encouraging of the listeners to like DM us and be like, Hey, thanks Kelly. I learned this on this episode because it's just really, it helps us create better content for you, but also it's just nice to hear from everyone. And we're not just here talking to ourselves in a mic, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. You feel vindicated. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's funny too, because when we were at Wedding MBA, my assistant, Christy, we were just walking through the convention center, like before it even started. And someone like, I was all masked up and I think I had sunglasses on. So I was like, are you Renee Dallow? And I was like, whoa, what was that? And she's like, I recognized your voice. And I was like, wow. Because like, you just don't think about the fact that like people hear our voices and don't see our faces for all these, all this time. No, it's very true. And I think that's really cool. I love that story. But yeah, it, it can be a little weird. Just li <laughs> yeah. like literally, I'm looking at an R and I'm talking to you. So yeah. yes, there's some... <laughs> So yes, DM us, like, no, like, and again, like, I even like, well, I don't really agree with that. Like, let's have a conversation about yes, it. Yes. Like, yes, uh, please don't, please don't, don't, don't just send us the good stuff. Like we want to have the meaty conversations for sure. Um, as always, you guys know, you can find me at talk with Renee Dallow for podcast stuff. Um, and you know, I say this every week and I'm going to keep saying it cause I, it's a good reminder. I just really am always so grateful for the time that listeners spend listening to the show. I know that your time is the one thing you can't make any more of. And so I'm always super grateful that you spent it with us. And Kelly, I'm so grateful you spent this time with us today as well. I had a blast. Like literally, I wish it was three hours long. So we just keep talking. <laughs> I mean, we can just stop recording and keep talking, but just, no one else will get to hear it. Um... <laughs> but no, thank you for having me. This was amazing. I loved talking about everything that we talked about today. So this was awesome. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you, Kelly. And uh, thanks listeners. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.